0: Yeah, but the most important thing. Let's grab the recording. I <laughs> what's this interesting beverage you have at school? okay so I'm going to tell you what this interesting beverage oh, is. oh no I don't know where the canvas. sorry ladies I don't know where the camera is it's much less stressful okay yeah the parashas Uh let's ready get set go okay first it is chapter 29 verse 9 in Chomish Uh who has the same book as you do and give us a page number book 5 we need book 5 Let's go, let's go we can do this we can do this the blue ones take the blue ones then you start to give you a page number no she can't give you a page number yeah no 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 you're they don't have they're not gonna have the same pages at some point okay now it's interesting that um what book number five deuteronomy the blue ones have english and hebrew camilla down, down. yeah that one has yeah has the whole thing so go towards the end what <laughs> um so what's the story so it's interesting that in that in the in the i think it's the gamora or the zora i don't remember um, it says gan, gan shister, I said that there are Gan gimel nun. How much is gimel nun? How much is gimel nun? 53. 53. There are 53 mm-hmm. Torah portions in the Chabesh. And the interesting little bit of uh, trivia is if you actually count, there are 54, not 53. Oh, so it's license. License. No, so it says not poetic license. No, no, no 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 it's not poetic license so what's interesting so now how does this make sense so it's interesting so in the Siddur of of Sadia Gaon now we know today a Siddur we look at, we say Siddur is a prayer book but the word Siddur comes from the word seder, order and the original Siddur that was made was like what do we do and how do we do it so in the Siddur of, of Sadia Gaon, it talks about uh, it has like the, the prayers, da da da, and then it talks about all the Torah portions, da 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 da. da. And in the Siddur Rapsadigon, he says that there are some Torah portions that are sometimes combined. For example, which Torah portions do you know are sometimes combined? Some weeks we read two Torah portions together Bahar B'chukosai, Kidoshim. There's five or six different Torah portions, and Rapsadigon says they are sometimes combined, and he says, Mitzavim Vayelech is a parsha that is sometimes separated. It's not, it doesn't go under the list of those which are combined. It's some, it's a parsha that is sometimes separated. So that in essence, mitzvah and are one parsha that are sometimes split. Now, uh, what what's interesting is that when they are split, they are literally in two different years. Now you know when, like we say, oh, we'll see you next year, and we'll really see you tomorrow, because it's going to be the day after Rosh Well, not tomorrow, but I'm saying, like you know, like on Monday you oh, say we'll see you next year, because on Tuesday it's going to be our Hashanah. Spiritually speaking, when we talk about another year, it is in fact a whole new thing. It's not just oh tomorrow. So the fact that when they're split, they're in two totally different years, means that there is something essentially different within them, and when they are combined, but really, really. That's meaning, but they're also but it but Sajigon says it's really one portion that is sometimes split. That means that there also is going to be something connected about them. Now, how do we know what like why do we sometimes have portions split and sometimes we have portions connected? Okay, huh? No clue. It's always amazing. So the good thing is we have a calendar, we're just have to follow the calendar, and we not have to figure out the calculations. But essentially what happens is is that the Torah reading goes according from, it starts from voracious and keeps moving along, except if a holiday happens on Shabbos. When you have a holiday happen on Shabbos, holiday trumps Shabbos. So that the holiday reading, which is separate from the normal order of what we read, the holiday reading trumps the Shabbos reading, and then the Shabbos reading gets pushed off. It leads to some very interesting situations that happened in Israel multiple times, is that we know that in Israel, the, Chag, the Hagim, the holidays are only one day. Okay, in America in the diaspora, I say America, but I really know the diaspora, right? The holidays are two days. Now, what happens if the second day of Chag is on Shabbos? Right? That means that in Israel, it's not Chag. It has happened multiple times over Pesach. On, in Israel, it's Shabbos and we read the Shabbos reading. And in the diaspora, it's Chag and they read the Chag reading. And then we are in different settings until we catch up. Now, it has happened multiple times. And I wanna tell you, it, we have had the, the very sad situation in the show upstairs in the days pre corona when people were able to travel. You would have a boy come. We prepared his apartment saw and he had to wrong Harsha, and he had to wrong Harsha. Because he prepared the reading for the diaspora, and even the diaspora rabbis don't always realize you're having your rabbis in Israel. We need to check what the Torah portion is there, because it's 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 like there are certain things I find like living living in Israel, you become much more in tune with things that are relevant to Israel, and when you're out of Israel, they're not even on your radar screen. So this is something. So okay. So what happens? So first of all, we have when we have chagim uh, going on shabbatot which happens sometimes it happens often then uh then you end up having a bunch of torah portions that are going to be like sort of orphaned because they don't have they're going to run out of time to read them so we're going to end up putting them together so that we uh so that all the torah portions get read before the next simchat torah we're going to start again the other thing that happens is that a jewish leap year which is happening this year um we have four extra weeks a leap year is not an extra day, it's an extra month. That means, what <laughs> happens to those four Torah portions when it's not a leap year? Where do they go? They have to be partnered up with another Torah portion. Okay? So uh, we'll follow the calendar, but, but for mitzvah and Vayil specifically, there's a very easy um, way to figure out what's going on. If Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur are on Shabbos, then they're gonna be combined. If neither Rosh Hashanah nor Yom Kippur are on Shabbos, then they're separate because what's gonna end up happening, I don't have a calendar up here to show you, the question is how many Shabbatot do we have between uh, Yom Kippur and Sukkot? So this year we are actually going to have a Shabbos. If you had Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur on Shabbos, you would lose that other Shabbos and we'd have to combine them, right? Mitzavim is always, always, always the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, always. It's always the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. The question is, is it Mitzavim and Vayelech or is it just Mitzavim? So this year, Rosh Hashanah is in the middle of the week, Yom Kippur is in the middle of the week. That means we're going to have, the, the after between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we're going to have a Shabbos. So that's going to be the week of Vayelech. And then we're going to have one more Shabbos. Uh, and then we're going to have, after Yom Kippur before, so because we have another Shabbos and that's going to be Hazimun. So that's kind of the setup for this year. Okay, we're going to talk more about the further Parshish afterwards, but let's talk over here for this, this Parshish Mitzvah. One more thing about Parshish Mitzvah is that this is uh, this is the week that in theory we would bless the month. This is officially called Shabbat Mivachim. It's the week that we bless the month. Um, and we don't. We don't bless the month for the month of Tishrei. Okay, we don't, you know, you go to Shul sometimes and they say, and yeah, the moon was born on this day and this time, these minutes and these divisions, these whatever, and we're going to bless the moon. We don't do it for the month of Tishrei. Zohar says that Hashem blesses the month of Tishrei. And through that power of Hashem blessing the month of Tishrei, we have the power for the other 11 months, or in this case, 12 months, to bless the, to bless the months. And in good Jewish tradition... The question is asked, how does God bless the month? What is the blessing for the month that God gives to the Jewish people? And the answer is, Baal Shem Tov says, is this Torah portion. Atem mitzvahim Hayom. Beginning, we're going to go into the Parsha, chapter 29, verse 9. Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Kulchem. You're all standing here together before God. rush Hashem, your God. The heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, every person in Israel, the children, the women, the converts, everybody in your camp from the woodchoppers to the water carriers to be, to be brought into a covenant with Hashem uh, today. This is, and, and, and so it says, this is the bracha that Hashem gives us. You want to know how do we do, how do we do Rosh Hashanah? How do we bless the new month? How do we get the power to bless the whole year, which is essentially what we're going to be doing? Unity. Can we all stand together? Can we all be together? Not, you know, I always think like the, the analogy of America is a melting pot. is not really, it's not a good one. Huh? It's a salad. Exactly. It's a salad. Every single person, every single personality needs to stay distinct and identifiable. We have the heads. We have the water carriers. We have all the pieces of the puzzle. We have all of them and they are all important you know it's very interesting you say that the, the in, in the gemara in, in the dharm it talks about it gives the analogy of jewish people as one body right now if i were to ask you what's more important your head or your feet what do you answer huh head technically but it depends what you want to do if you want to walk from here to the shook your head is not going to help you if you don't have working feet it's going to be kind of complicated right? So depending, now, you're right, certain things, even in a body, you can see there is what's called a sedra foot there is an order of importance. God forbid somebody loses a finger, somebody loses a foot, God forbid, you're still going to function. Will you be functioning optimally? <laughs> Will you have to learn how to, you know, how to work with, We don't say that it's, oh, it's not a big deal to lose something. It's a very big deal. Every single part of our body is there for a reason. I don't know if anybody here is old enough to remember. It used to be, I'm old enough to remember, it used to be that back in the day when you used to get like a bunch of like sore throats and strep off, they would just take your tonsils out, Mm -hmm. right? They don't do that anymore because they're like, just because we don't know what the tonsils are for doesn't mean that they don't have a purpose. There's lots of stuff that go on that we just don't know. Like, we don't know what they're for, but we know it isn't, you know, it's not like this random piece that's thrown into a car and it's, it's just jiggling around and nobody knows what. Everything has a purpose and every single purpose, every single person has a purpose. Now to say, I would love to change my job. I'm a toe person. I'm a heel person. Could I be the? Could I be the head for a little bit? Like, it doesn't, it's not totally, it's not like Judaism isn't a caste system that says you're born into the, except for like Levites and Kohanim and stuff like that. But we don't really have a caste system that says you could never be blah, blah, blah. You could never do da, 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 da. But at the same time, um, but at the same time, uh, there is a certain place where we acknowledge that different people have different roles. We don't be, we, we aren't And we shouldn't be disrespectful because somebody's role is different than I am. You know, the people who are the hands, who are the doers, it doesn't make them worse than the head people. Just because I can't plan the strategy doesn't mean that my role isn't so, so vital and so important. And what Hashem is telling us, and this is the brach that he gives us, is that you want to go into the new year. You want to come, Baal actually says that, it says, "After hayom." The says that that's talking about the day of Rosh Hashanah. It's talking about the day of Rosh Hashanah that Hashem says that we are already metor- meritorious in in our judgment. We haven't even gotten to Rosh Hashanah. We haven't even gotten to. Rosh Hashanah. I think it's wrong. that might not be really, really English, but we aren't even there, and already says. You got unity, you're covered, good year. Everything's gonna be great. Everything's gonna be wonderful. We haven't even opened the master once. Okay, maybe we've opened the master once in class, but they're like, we haven't even started that whole thing. And a it says, if you have unity and unity does not mean uh, that mushing of identity. It really doesn't mean that. Unity means we all keep who we are. And yet we understand It's not, I'm not in this position for a self, for selfish purposes. Like there is this place, we, the Jewish people, a bunch of individuals, but we're part of the Jewish people. Meaning it's not like, you know, it's not color war. My, my team has to win. We only win when we all win, when we all are part of it, when we all are managing together, when we really can respect, properly respect each other. And the things that we do, and the things that we contribute, and to understand that everybody contributes, and very often human nature is that we overestimate how much we're contributing, and we underestimate how much everybody else is contributing, and we sometimes get like a, a messed up in, you know self of of self worth of self self worth because we aren't reading the cards properly. Sometimes our sometimes our our distortion is in the other direction. We feel like we don't contribute anything and everybody else does everything. And really both of those are not true. Both of those are are distortions of the reality. Every single person contributes to to the whole and contributes to the Jewish people. And we have to, maybe we have to challenge ourselves to do more. Maybe we have to challenge ourselves to let somebody else take center stage for a while. But every single person really is vital to the Jewish people in their particular contribution. And we aren't asking somebody to like, we're not saying to the extroverts, you just all need to be introverts. We're not saying to the introverts. You all need to be extroverts. Maybe in some area I could stretch myself or I want to stretch myself. And maybe we really don't. And we're going to do really super well in our place, in our space and giving to the Jewish people from where we're strong and to be to understand that our strength isn't selfish. It isn't just because I need to feel fulfilled. It's also a thing to be fulfilled. Not going to be fulfilled. But the question that we ask here, and we, as we're looking to Hashanah, I'm not doing what I do in spite of the Jewish people. I'm doing it for the Jewish people. Even if we aren't doing something specifically Jewish, my persona and my being and what I bring to the table is helping the Jewish people. So, so the says that is in fact the bracha that Hashem gives the Jewish people. And the word mitzvah is like this solid, It's not like this wishy-washy, it's like like, standing strong, imagine the army all lined up, that's Nitzvah, that's how you're standing, like true, solid. And and really that's kind of the the image of what what we have coming into Rosh Hashanah. They were all solidly standing individuals, but standing together. Now, Rashi has a little bit of a different take, which we're gonna look into Rashi now for a little bit. Okay, who has, uh, Mirabh, I think you have an easy Rashi to read. What is seven? What? When did this happen? When did after seven happen? Um, on the day. Away. Yeah, from here till the end of the Chumash is all events that happened on the last day of Moshe's life. That means, it's se- excuse me, it's the seventh of Adar in the year two four eight eight from from creation. Moshe is going to pass away, and people are all there. It's got to be like an emotional situation like ever I I would just imagine like right they've been with Moshe for most of these people for close to 40 years remember the generation that left Egypt has already died out these are the children they've grown up with Moses they've grown up through the desert and Moshe is saying to the people come together everybody come together there's going to be a change there's going to be there's going to be something going on here and you need to be present for this. And essentially what Moshe is doing is that he, it seems from the Pesukim that he is initiating this coming into a covenant. Now we know, if you look through Torah, there were three times that there was a covenant already made with humanity. The first one that was done with Noah, when they come out of the ark, when Hashem makes, gives them the, the Noahide laws, laws for how humanity has to uh, has to behave essentially not to kill and not to eat animals, and all this kind of stuff. And, and then we have a covenant that Hashem makes with Avraham and his children, which is going to end up being what's going to be the basis for that covenant. We're going to, ha- we're going to have a relationship. And what, how do you show that you're part of this Abrahamic covenant? Frisk with brist, Brick Mila. Now, Milah is the word for circumcision, and brick is the word for covenant. That means that the covenant that that Abraham and the Abrahamic tradition has is one that is going to be enforced with with uh, the covenant with sorry with a circumcision for the men, and um, so we have that's the second one. We have the third one that happens at Sinai, where Hashem says, "Like, let's take this to the next level. We're going to have these mitzvahs." And what do we find happens at Sinai? That Hashem says to Moshe more than once. Just make sure that, like, what did the Jews say? Ask the Jews what their opinion is. Ask what they think about this, right? Right, we'll have Moshe comes to the people and he says, this is what Hashem wants. And what do the people respond? Nassim Nishma, we're going to do it and we're going to hear it. First they say Nassim, Nassim It There's multiple times that Hashem is like just sort of checking in that the people are on board. Now something different is happening. Moshe's gathering the people. It seems that it's from his own initiative. And he's saying to them, till now, I'm paraphrased, i'm paraphrasing moses i apologize mm-hmm. uh till now it's been god-led it's been very and our experience the very torah experience that they've had till now has been very moshe-centered mm-hmm. moshe has a forceful personality as much as he was or wasn't charismatic whatever you want he was involved in the real formation of the jewish people as a people he did, he, he confronted Pharaoh, he did the plagues, he split the sea, went up to Sinai, got the like. He's been very involved. And guess what? Even Moses doesn't live forever. And now what happens to the Jewish people? Do we say we can't do without Moses? Or is as Moses is saying, yeah, Moses is saying to the people, we need to move to people centric Judaism. It can't just be God coming down and telling you, it has to be. From here, we need to be able to reach to God. We need to be able to reach towards him and say, we're going into the land of Israel. It is going to be so different from anything that we've experienced till now, right? This specific generation, by and large, grew up living, breathing, eating, drinking miracles. This was their norm. They had manna. They had water from a rock that moved with them. They, they, They didn't wash their clothes. The the desert, they were protected from the heat in the desert and from the scorpions and everything was leveled. That was their norm. And now you're going to go to the land of Israel. You're going to be farmers and you're going to be doctors and you're going to be lawyers and you're going to have to run a government. You're going to have to have an army. Don't forget that you also, first and foremost, are the Jewish people. And how do we hold on to that when there isn't a Moses and there isn't miracles and Moses like, yalla, we need to like, He's going to really push them very, very much to remind them of who they are and what they're capable of doing and what they need to really do as a people in order to to continue. Because, or else, what's going to happen? Moses is going to pass away and everything's going to like is allowed. Like, if they don't take responsibility for their Judaism, for their relationship with God, who's going to take care of it? There's no Moses to say, like, you know, there's no mana that. Came to their door. How stressful is that, by the way? The mana came down every single day as close and as prepared to your tent as you were close to God. That means the people who were super righteous got ready to eat mana at their doorsteps. So can you imagine you wake up in the morning? It's like being on a diet and weighing yourself every single day. Right? You shouldn't do that, by the way. You should never do that. But the mana did that for them in a spiritual thing. Is it here? Do I have to reach for it? Do I have to go to the field for it? It was like... (gasps) Every single day, like, how's my relationship with God? So as stressful as it was, I could imagine it was very, very stressful. For me, it would be very stressful. But the lack of it is like, whoa, how do we know how we're doing in this? Like, where's our measure? If we don't have the mana measuring our relationship with Hashem, which is stressful, but then when you don't have it and you're used to it, now what do I do? Like, am I, am I on the right track? Are the choices I'm making? Good choices, and i been happy with my choices. I don't know, I have no way to know. So that's like a different kind of stress, rate, right? Question. So 20, um, Gila, that's right before me. It's Gila. Right, right. So, just talking about um, the transition, second travel, transition from. As it was to mm-hmm. like we're talking about, very very early, similar transition from like now your you're the like from just I really like handhold, but as you're having really deep, deep connection but it's also like slightly boundary, and everyone needs different kind of Correct. relationship. So, like, Correct. 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 So so what ends up happening is that different stages, you know, I'll give you a story. I'll give you a story as an example. So there was a Hasid. His name was Remendel Fotofas. He, uh, he was in Russia, sort of when the communists were taking over. Um, and it, so it's like at, kind of before and after World War II and the Russian Jews realized like this is not a good place for us. And there was a very, very big effort made for the Jews in Russia to get out of Russia before the communists, this was before the Iron Curtain was really sealed shut and to get them out. What happened was that after World War II, there was a very brief period of time that a lot of Polish citizens had run to Russia during the war and they were being repatriated back into Poland. So the Russian Jews saw this as an amazing opportunity to like get Polish passports and get out of the country. So they had lots of passports from people who come who unfortunately had passed away, but they also were very much in the business of creating some new didn't have them. right? And this is how they got lots and lots of people out of Russia on forged passports. I guess after seven years, we probably could say that out loud. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, I grew up with a Russian family, I've any, right? Um, uh, and Remendel was very, 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 very involved in forging passports and getting into people and getting them out of Russia. And what happened was that his family ended up getting out on one of the last trains going out. And he was staying to finish up the work and he was caught in a sent to Siberia for 10 or 15 years, like a crazy amount of time. And he, he eventually got out and he came out, and his family was then in London. He had all different, all different kinds of stories. And he used to bring about his experiences um, in, in the Gulag and all different things that had happened to him. And one of the things that he said was that once in the, when he was in the Gulag, um, it was, I don't remember if it was Stalin's birthday or Stalin had died, but for whatever it is, they were celebrating. There was a celebration going on in the gulag. So it probably would be like his birthday so that I don't remember exactly because it was probably his birthday because I can't imagine them really being easily, openly celebrating that he died, whatever, anyway. And so there were all these people, were, they were political prisoners and those kind of people who were in the, in the gulag together. And, um, and so there was one guy who in his previous life, non-prisoner life, he had been um, a tightrope walker. And so as this part of the celebration, he was gonna show them how to be a tightrope walker, right? So this is like, you know, not really super 2021 20, uh, safety mechanisms in place. They hang, they pulled the string, you know, for him and however high it was. I don't know. They did or didn't have a safety net. I don't know. But he, he said to, he said to Remendel, watch. And afterwards, tell me what was the hardest part of it. What's the hardest part of this? So Remendel was watching him with like a hawk eye, And he watched the guy go up and started, you know, of course, he's a little bit tentative. He hasn't done this in a bunch of years and then he gets his balance and he gets his confidence and he starts jumping and then, 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 then running and then, then, back and forth, gets to the end and then he turns around and he comes back, walks, walks, applause, comes down. He looks at Mendel and he says, new Mendel, what was the hardest part of this? I and mean, Mendel who had been prepped, so he was watching, he said, thought about it, he like pictures it again. he's like, the hardest part is when you turned around to come back. But as long as you were going there, that was your goal. Your eyes did not move off your goal. And as soon as you turned, you had a new goal and your eyes were focused on the goal. But in that turn, you were not focused. And that was the most dangerous part of it. As you're, as you're trying to hold your balance without a focal point. And this happens to the Jewish people, not every day, but it happens they're at certain points in history. And this is one of those moments. This is going to be one of those moments where this has been our direction. And this has been our focus. And all of a sudden we need to change. We had it in the beginning when the Jews left Egypt as, as terrible as their slavery was, it was what they knew. And now we're going to go into the desert and we're going to go with Moses. That was also a transition point for the Jewish people. And that was very hard for them. So here we have like the other end of that and it's gonna become a hard thing. And Moshe wants to make sure that this transition is done as successfully as possible. Gonna hand them over to Joshua and he's gonna give them one last talking to and be, you know, a little bit of that cheerleader thing, a little bit of that encouragement, a little bit. Of that. And if you don't, okay. So that's kind of where our partial is gonna be right here, right now. Oh my gosh. I was gonna talk right now. Um, an interesting little thing, Parshas Mitzvahim is a very, very, very short parsha. In fact, Mitzvahim and Vayelech combined are probably shorter than most Torah portions anyway. I think there's like 70 verses in both of the portions combined. So they're very, very, very short, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Right now, those five verses that I read, that was the first Aliyah. And then Moshe continues, and he talks about that Hashem is making it to a nation, like he swore, he swore to your forefathers. And he says to him in verse 13, something very powerful, Sorry, what does he say in verse 13? Um, 13 and 14. Um, not with you alone do I this covenant and the source, but with whoever is here standing us the before God, I and mean, whoever is not with us Okay. It means he's putting them, he's he's putting the restrictions of the covenant, not just on the people who are standing there, but on us. Those of us who are not there at that time, for all of history, and the rabbis grapple with the question: How can you obligate somebody to do something when they aren't there? How do you say that in you know in 2021, Camila is going to have to keep Torah? How do you do that? How can you do that? to you? So they, there's a lot of conversation that goes on in the Talmud and different ages, different commentaries about how this actually works. How can you obligate somebody? Meaning everybody who's there. Like okay, so Sababa, so, you're there. You had the chance to say no, but you didn't. So like you're obligated. How do I obligate your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren till the end of time? How do I do that? So the Gemara, the the, the end of a lot of the conversations is that for something negative you can't obligate to something, but for something positive you can. And to be a Jew is something so beautiful and so positive that that is the place that they have the ability to future obligate us to do that now we, have negative we do have negative commands but the the question of it's not the question of this command or that commandment the question of the headspace is it a is it a good thing to be a Jew or is it not a good thing to be a Jew and the the sages you know conclude that because it's better to be a Jew than to not be a Jew not to have the details because our history has been quite interesting you know we have a very interesting history um, and it's, it hasn't always been easy to be a Jew to put it in like very, you know, sort of a very par of kind of terminology, right? But, um, but, uh, but because they the sages say that overall it is better to be a Jew than not to be than not to be a Jew, then therefore they were able to future obligate us. Future obligate? I don't know if that's real. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's so that covenant is made for everybody. And um, he talks about having them, having been in Egypt and everything that happened, and you saw everything that was the Egyptians did, and it was terrible and it was gross. Um, and they had all these idols, and he says to them, Perhaps in verse 17. Yes, that 17. Mm-hmm. Janice. Perhaps there is among you a man or a woman or a family, or a tribe who sought straight to me the name of our God to go serve the God of those nations. Lest there is within you a root producing gall and their fruit. But- uh, when he hears the statements of this oath first, he will imagine self blessing, saying, Peace will be my lot when I shall follow my shock. So that the unintentional may be added to the essential. Okay, so what's he saying? He's saying, first of all, it's, and there's a conversation that goes on with a lot of the commentators. What is the connection between having been in Egypt and seeing their behavior to serving idols, right? You could argue the case that. Having seen the depravity of the Egyptians, their moral depravity was not, that's a kind of known situation, then it would be something you wouldn't be interested in. Like, I saw that, that was not, you know, not something I'm interested in. So, where is that, that, um, that correlation between having been in Egypt and seeing that? And now you're going to have this thought of serving idols. So, a lot of the modern commentators, Briskarov talks about the idea that when we see something, even if we don't like it, even if we don't want it, it leaves an impression on us. It leaves an impression on us. Um, uh, that that just because you see something and you look at it and you judge it negatively, and you say, I don't want that, it doesn't mean that it isn't leaving leaving a trace on you. And perhaps the second time or the third time you see something that the first time you saw it, you were like, oh, the second or third time, it didn't bother you so much. It still doesn't really do, it, but it's like, it's not, whatever, you know, it's not so shocking anymore. Um, and I think, I'm going on my bed, on my soapbox for a second, I'm sorry. I think that, uh, that's, I think, is one of the dangers of social media. We see things and as much as we know that we filter what we put on and we, you know, only show like beautiful pictures There's a part of us that looks and says everybody makes these gorgeous dinners every single night and every family goes on these beautiful vacations and you judge yourself and your life even though you know your head knows that everybody's filtering and just because their their instagram looks gorgeous and everybody's smiling in every picture doesn't mean that their kids never fight Mm. and there's a place where you see it you just see it, and it somehow has trace effects on us. Um, so that's 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 uh, I think also kind of you know looking into into uh, kind of looking to Rosh Hashanah as far as an introspection thing. Another thing that it was so interesting and so beautiful that I saw that uh, we're in verse 18 where it talks about. That when you hear all these terrible things, the person's gonna to say to themselves, like, I'm gonna be Sababa, like, it's fine. I'm like doing whatever I'm doing. I'm on my own trip and it doesn't matter. And, you know, I'll be okay. Don't worry about it. So then, then, then Moshe is saying, God's gonna like, he's not gonna be okay with that. He's not gonna be happy with you just doing your own thing. He's gonna, you know, come by and he's gonna, all the things that he did unintentionally, he's gonna add and it's gonna like, you're gonna get punished really badly. Um, So that's what Moshe says. And it's very interesting. The Kleisenberger Rebbe says uh, that somebody who doesn't care about God, so they're doing their own thing. Like, who cares if God's upset at me? I don't believe in God. I'm doing my own thing. And why do I care that God's going to not be upset at me? So he says, it's not talking to the person who's sinning. It's talking to the righteous person. (laughs) He's going to hear about all these terrible things, these curses that are going to happen to people who don't follow God. And he will say to himself, the righteous person will say to himself, he'll bless himself and say, That's not me. That's not gonna affect me. That doesn't happen to me. He'll say, "Shalom Ali, everything is gonna be okay with me. I will go follow my heart and I will take care of my service of Hashem, and I will take care of my relationship with Hashem. So Hashem's gonna like be upset at other people. Like, what do I care? That's not my business, that's not my deal you know, terrible, like, really sorry, but like, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. And the closing ever says that after we lost so many people in the Holocaust, we don't have the right to say, we don't care about what's happening to another Jew. We can't just say, I'm going to only take care of my relationship with Hashem. If I'm okay, and my relationship with Hashem is nice and strong and good. And I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to let like whatever's happening there happen. He's like we don't have that liberty anymore to say that. It's not. Hashem's going to be so upset at a person who says I don't care. NIMBY. It's not happening in my backyard. It's not happening to me. I don't have to worry about it. Hashem's like he's like is like not a good answer. Not a good answer. You know we say like when uh, my husband there, like when when uh, Cain kills Abel and God comes to Cain and says Your brother's blood is crying out to me, and he's like, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Right? That's one of the most famous lines in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? And I'm always like, "Yes, you are your brother's keeper." Yes, you actually the that the right answer to that question is like, "Yes, I am my brother's keeper. I am in charge to people that I can have an influence on. To be yes, I have to take care of my relationship with God, and yes, I have to yes, yes, yes. But I also don't get to say, well, it doesn't matter what happens to them. I'm going to just like let them do their own thing. Now, I will say." There are lots of things that we can't control. There's lots of people that we love dearly and we cannot influence their lives. And that's something that we need to learn to accept, that there are people that we love dearly who we wish could be doing more and we can't do anything about it. So I wanna say two things on that. First of all, there's always something to do to help another person. And as Jews, we believe in the power of one good deed brings another good deed. And we can do something to help another person. We can decide we're going to say some to him. We're going to do this specific mitzvah as a merit for another person because we, can, we know we can't speak to them. Like that's off the table. We know that any we open our mouth, it ends up in a fight, and it's not good, and it's not pretty, and it's not where we want to go. But to say that we can't do anything, we could say I'm going to when I light candles, I'm going to add a prayer for them. Now you, it's it's much more subtle, the effect there's definitely less fights that way that's first of all Mm -hmm. and um and the other thing is that um sometimes we need to have other people do some of the connections to people that we love very dearly uh we have to get somebody else to intercede like to speak to them and whatever because there's you need somebody who doesn't have the history who doesn't have like all the stuff going on to maybe bring up such a conversation um and what we still have to do is to be beautiful, loving, kind people. We can't say they're nasty to me and they don't accept me because I'm doing blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna like, get it back to them. No, no, no. We still have to be the beautiful, kind people that we always are. And that is the most beautiful, amazing thing that we could do to influence somebody else in their relationship with Hashem. Once we become all the other kind of words, it's just not cool. But as long as they see we're still kind, we're still loving, we're still attentive, we're still call and say, happy Thanksgiving and happy Mother's Day. And whatever we want to do, and just call and say, how's everything doing? It goes a very, very, very long way. Um, So that's one thing that's going on over here. Guess what? You're running out of time. Um, Okay, I want to show you a couple of things that are going on over here because there's some verses that are just like, just amazing, whatever. Anyway, so Moshe talks about the people sinning and what's going to happen and Hashem is going to punish them and da-da-da-da-da. And um, what and the people are going to say, why did that happen? And then at the end of our stepping away from God, the end of that is verse 27, that Hashem will kick us out of our land. That is in fact where Moshe sees like, what is the most far-fetched crazy thing that could possibly happen? That the Jews are going to sink so low and they're going to sin so badly that God's going to kick them out of the, our land. Happened to us twice already, so just saying. Um, and he says, <laughs> Things that are hidden are up to Hashem to take care of. <laughs> things that are known, things that we know about, are up to us and our children to take care of. We don't have to worry about what goes on in my neighbor's private thing. We don't have, to, we don't have the job to go be enforcers all over the place. But we also can say, It's not my job. When we do know about something, it's not my obligation to take care of it. That's actually not true. I think one of the things that's happening in the Jewish community more and more um, is this openness towards different kinds of issues that once upon a time, there was a closed. It doesn't happen. This doesn't happen by us. You know, divorce, abuse, um, addiction, all those kind of things that was, we know, we we don't do this, we have Torah, we don't have this. It's not true. And if we can't close our eyes to the things that we have the ability to help, we don't always have the ability. Sometimes our ability is raising awareness. Sometimes our ability is this, but the place of saying, it's not my issue to worry about is actually not Jewish at all. So that's something that's really going on. Uh, I see a lot of, I see. And then then the, then the next, the Torah continues and says that when this happens, you're gonna come back to Hashem. Hashem will return you. He will listen to your voice. And it says Hashem will. Uh, he'll hear your voice. He'll return your voice. And it says, if you take a look in chapter 30, verse 6. Okay, we're having the conversation about Hashem bringing us back. And if you've been in your halacha classes, I'm pretty sure you've learned abbreviations for the month of Elul. Okay, take a look. The one's right here. Hashem et ve et Hashem will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your children to come close to Hashem to love Him with all your mark with all your might because He is your your uh, He is your life and so it's like every time I see things that like I know from other places like oh my gosh it's come so look at it it's right here it's really good. so here it is um, this this uh, one of the abbreviations for L is over here and the other thing that's going I want to point out is in the sixth aliyah, which is chapter thirty verse. Eleven and twelve and thirteen and fourteen. Uh, Adina Yoni, you want to read for us? Oh, you don't have it open. Who has it open? Go, Camila. Go. For this commandment that I command you today, it is not hidden from you, and it is not distant. It is not in heaven for you to say, "Open us into the heaven for us," and it for us," so that we can listen to it and perform it. Nor is it that process seat for you to say. You can cross the other side of the sea for us and take it for us. Solid foundation is Father's mother is very near to you in your love and in your heart. Okay, so two things. First of all, anybody recognize verse fourteen? Verse fourteen? Kikarob elecha hadavar First of all, if you've been to Chabad camp and they taught you the 12 psukim, this is one of them. This is also the verse on which the entire Tanya is predicated. That the idea, and, and, and there's an introduction to this, and Moshe's talking about what? It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And so, what happens with so Moshe's saying this mitzvah doesn't specify which mitzvah. And so, of course, there's all this commentary in the commentaries. What mitzvah is Moshe talking about? This mitzvah that Hashem is commanding you today, it's not far away from you. It's not in the heavens. It's not. That's the question. All it comes is which mitzvah? Which mitzvah? So Torah just says, cause this mitzvah. Well, which mitzvah is this? So we're going to get to that in a second, right? Because of course, there's no one answer. The, there's something the Mitzvah. Which is the Mitzvah? So that's what now the so conversation. Which is them. this? Which is the Mitzvah? So, like well, yeah, well, yes and no. So, some commentaries will talk about the idea that we've just been talking about the Mitzvah of Tshuva. So, we're talking about the Mitzvah of Tshuva. Some people say we're talking about the Mitzvah of learning Torah. Some people say all Mitzvah. Some people say the Mitzvah of stuff. All this kind of stuff. We're Jews. There's no one solid answer. There's like versions of the answer, right? So, what's interesting is that Moshe gives a lot, a lot of words to describe. Where it is not. Torah is not in heaven. Because if it was in heaven, we would have to find a way to get it from heaven and learn it and do it. It's not across the sea to say who will get it for us who, and, and do it. Because And the implication in the words is like, if it was that far, we'd have to figure it out. We wouldn't just say, oh, it's so far away. I can't do it. In fact, one of the commentaries talk about it that the mitzvah we're talking about is the mitzvah of finding yourself somebody to teach you Torah. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting thing. Say so it's so far away. How could I find somebody? How could I do? Whatever this mitzvah is, and Moshe says, it's close. It is very, very close to you. The of In your mouth and in your heart in order to do it. It's whatever the mitzvah is, whether we talk about staka, and now right before Rosh Hashanah, we're, and we have the, the, the voices that say that it's tshuva. Whatever it is, Whatever this mitzvah is, whether it's tshuva, whether it's learning Torah, whether it's all of Torah, it is something that is doable for us. And when we look around and we say, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's, it's too hard, it's too far, it's too distant, it's too impossible. Moshe's coming and telling us, no, it's not. Whatever it is, whatever steps we need to take in order to do whatever it is that we need to do to further our relationship with Hashem, we are able to, I'm sorry, we are able to do it. The Parsha continues for a little bit longer. I want to give us a bracha. We're going, we're, our year, the Jewish year is ending in a couple of, in a couple of days. We're going to roll into Rosh Hashanah. I feel like I'm rolling into Rosh Hashanah. not super prepared, but I want to give us a bracha, first of all, for courage, to see, to be able to look at ourselves clearly and honestly and say, what do I need to do? What does God want of me? here today, now, with all my, whatever, with all my humanness, with all my faults, with all my talents, with all, yeah, with all my humanness, what does the Ava want of me here and now? And I believe it takes a lot of courage to actually look because it's so much easier to say, I don't know, I don't know. So I want to give us a bracha for courage, for, for first of all, for clarity, to be able to look and to know, and then the courage to actually be able to act on it. Because both of those work hand in hand when we choose to employ them. Have an awesome rest of the week. Have a blessed, blessed, blessed Rosh Hashanah. And we'll see you before. So we'll be able to give ourselves, give each other more brachas. But really, we should all be able to see in the most physical, boring, easy way that this is a year of goodness. It's your sweetness. It's your blessings. It's your prosperity. It's your health. It's your security and safety and all the good things that we want, we should just be able to see it so, so easily personally for our families, for the world at large. It's in such desperate need of healing. And we should be able to see that it's happening here. Have an awesome rest of the day. Thanks.